You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 42. In today's Tidbit Tuesday, we're going to chat about exposure compensation, what it is, how it works, and why you might want to use it in your winter photography. And I'll also be announcing the winner of the Backblaze giveaway. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. First, I want to thank you for the feedback on the last Tidbit Tuesday episode, which was not that technical as they usually tend to be and as today's will be. And if you haven't listened to it yet and are setting your photography goals for the new year, I encourage you to check it out and I hope you find it helpful and inspiring. I also want to thank all of you who submitted a review of the podcast and entered the Backblaze giveaway contest. We had 20 new reviews and they were all so incredible to read. It really warmed my heart to hear how much you are enjoying the show. And more importantly, your ratings and reviews really help the podcast get discovered by new listeners. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that and for supporting the show in this way. And if you want to read the reviews, they are up on the Outdoor Photography Podcast website. Okay, now for the fun part, picking the winner. Now, I have entered all of the contest's participants' names or their user IDs into a random picker wheel, and I'm going to give it a virtual spin right now live on the show. So here we go. And the winner is Carla Meesk. Congratulations, Carla. You have won a year-long license of unlimited online data backup through Backblaze, which is the service I use and recommend. So if you are listening, please send me your email so that I can email you your license code. And Carla wrote in her five-star review, Brenda has wonderful content and production quality. The topics are informative, inspiring, and there is never tedious filler or annoying noise. That's good to hear. Uh, This is a huge undertaking and Brenda is very good. Her guests inspire and her content makes us better at what we all want to be, outdoor photographers. Well, thank you so much, Carla. And I really hope you enjoy your online backup storage with Backblaze. And again, thank you to everyone who participated and left reviews. It really means a lot to me. Okay, now on to today's tidbit, which is all about exposure compensation which is a camera function that confuses many photographers, especially those who haven't fully mastered exposure settings quite yet. Our discussion around exposure compensation will bring together other photography concepts, such as exposure, priority modes, histograms, and camera metering. And so my hope is that by learning about exposure compensation, you'll also gain a better understanding of these other concepts as well. And we're actually going to start with them first. So let's quickly review the basics of exposure. Exposure is simply the amount of light that is measured by a camera sensor. There are three things that regulate exposure or how much light is detected. One, the intensity of the available light in the scene. Two, the aperture or f-stop of the lens. And three, the shutter speed. So the available light of the scene is the input, 
and the aperture and shutter speed settings regulate the amount of light that actually hits the sensor. Aperture controls how much light comes through the lens, and the shutter speed controls the duration of how long the sensor is exposed to light. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, what about ISO? Isn't that part of the exposure triangle? Well, yes, ISO is considered the third arm of the exposure triangle. However, it doesn't modulate how much light enters the camera and exposes the camera's sensor. And this is a common misunderstanding. Instead, ISO works after the sensor has been exposed and it amplifies the light signal when the ISO is raised and this results in a brighter image. So ISO doesn't directly control exposure while the camera sensor is actually being exposed to light, but it does have an effect on the brightness of the final image. And this is why ISO is considered part of the exposure triangle. Now, if you want to learn more about the details of aperture, f-stops, and how to use them in outdoor photography, and also go into much more depth about ISO, then be sure to check out the articles on these topics on the Outdoor Photography School website, and I'll link them up in the show notes for you as well. So we control the final exposure of an image through a combination of the aperture, shutter speed, and ISO settings. And when you are in full manual mode, you will need to adjust each of these settings to get the exposure you desire for your photo. Okay, so now let's talk about priority modes and when and why you may want to use them over manual mode. So the two priority modes are shutter priority, which is often indicated by a S or a TV on your camera mode dial, and aperture priority, which is indicated by an A or AV. And then there's actually a third option, which is manual mode with auto ISO. In each of these options, you adjust one or two aspects of exposure and the camera takes care of the rest. In this way, you can consider the priority modes as semi-manual or even semi-automated modes. Both you and the camera are contributing to the exposure setting decisions. In shutter priority mode, you set the shutter speed and the ISO, and the camera automatically finds the best aperture to use to quote-unquote properly expose the image according to the camera's meter, the limitations of which we'll talk about in a minute. Shutter priority mode is helpful when you are photographing subjects that are moving and you want to either quickly freeze motion with a fast shutter speed or get a motion blur effect like with a slow shutter speed. So when you use shutter priority, shutter speed is the most important aspect for you and you're less concerned about depth of field, which is controlled by the aperture, among other things. In aperture priority mode, you set the f-stop in the ISO, and the camera chooses the shutter speed to get a quote-unquote proper exposure, again, according to the camera meter. Aperture priority mode is helpful when you want to control the depth of field of an image and are less concerned about moving objects or camera shake. Now, just a side note, I'm saying quote-unquote proper exposure because a correct exposure is a subjective decision. There may be reasons why you as the photographer would deliberately want to over or underexpose an image, but to simplify our discussion today, a proper or correct exposure simply means that you aren't losing any pixel information in the highlights or shadows, which is called clipping. Anyways, in either priority mode, you have the option of manually adjusting the ISO or putting the camera in auto ISO so that the camera adjusts the ISO. 
And if you use auto ISO in either of the priority modes, then the camera will adjust the ISO secondarily to the aperture or shutter speed, depending on which mode you're in. In manual with auto ISO, you adjust both the aperture and the shutter speed and the camera compensates for the exposure by adjusting the ISO. Now, if you listened to my interview last week with Juan Pons, you may have noticed that he uses manual mode with auto ISO as one of his go-to settings for photographing wildlife. He also recommends using aperture priority to ensure a desirable depth of field for an animal portrait, unless that animal is really moving quickly. So why are we talking about all of this in a conversation about exposure compensation? Well, exposure compensation only works with shutter priority, aperture priority, manual mode with auto ISO, and in program mode. And it will not work if you're using fully manual mode, and you'll understand why in a moment. But first, we need to talk about camera meters and histograms. Now, I already talked about this in another Tidbit Tuesday, episode 30. So be sure to listen to that episode if you haven't already. In it, I go into more detail about histograms and what it means to expose to the left and to the right. Many photographers rely on the meter scale to determine how to adjust their exposure settings. But as I mentioned earlier, the meter has limitations. So it's important to understand how camera meters work so that you can know when the meter is being reliable and when it is not. The camera meter measures reflected light, and it has but one job, and that is to let you know whether your current exposure settings will result in an over or underexposed photo, according to the camera's opinion. And this can be very helpful in many scenarios. However, the point of reference that your camera meter uses to base this information on is middle gray, which is what our eyes perceive as halfway between black and white. This historically has been defined as 18% of reflected visible light, or 18% gray, and camera meters are calibrated against this standard. So the goal of the meter is to get you to quote-unquote properly expose your scene so that the resulting image falls into the mid-tone range or middle gray. So if you're photographing a scene that's full of mid-tones, that's great. But when you're photographing a scene that does not contain a lot of midtones, like when you're photographing a subject that is black, like my steer Ferdinand, the camera meter will tell you to increase the exposure a bit because it thinks the scene is too dark. If you change your settings according to the meter, you will likely end up with an overexposed image. Likewise, when you're photographing a scene that is primarily bright or white, like snow, which reflects a lot of light, then the camera meter will tell you to decrease the exposure a bit to try to get you back into that middle gray or mid-tone range. But snow is white most of the time. So if your photographs of snowy scenes have been coming out more gray than white, you can likely blame your camera's meter for this. And you can use exposure compensation to fix the problem and get the snow to look more white. If you want to see your camera meter's obsession with middle gray in action, you can do the following quick experiment. In one of the priority modes, either shutter priority or aperture priority, take a photo of a white piece of paper, a black piece of paper, and a gray piece of paper. The camera's meter will read the scene and adjust the appropriate exposure settings such that middle gray is achieved, and all three pieces of paper will appear gray in the final three images. 
Why? Well, since the black paper reflects little to no light, the camera's meter will tell the camera to overexpose the image, attempting to get it closer to middle gray and vice versa with the white paper. And the gray paper will look gray, just as expected. So if what you're photographing can dupe the camera's meter, don't rely on the meter. Don't believe it. Unlike you, it doesn't actually know what the exposure is supposed to be. It just wants middle gray. This limitation of camera meters is why histograms are a far more reliable measure of how you should adjust your exposure settings to get your desired effect. Again, if you want to learn more about histograms, be sure to check out episode 30. But briefly, a luminosity histogram is a graphical display of the tonal value of each pixel in the frame running from blacks to midtones to whites. You can preview the histogram in live view on a DSLR, and you can also see it in the EVF on a mirrorless camera. The histogram tells you what the tonal range of your scene is and how many pixels are represented in each tone. It does not rely on the meter, so it doesn't get confused like the meter does. Okay, so what is exposure compensation? If you are using one of the priority modes or manual with auto ISO, then the camera has partial control over the exposure as we already discussed. So exposure compensation is a way to override your camera's metering system while shooting in anything but full manual mode. When you're in full manual mode, there's no reason to use exposure compensation because you already have complete control over the three elements of exposure. Exposure compensation is measured in one-third stops of exposure, which are expressed as exposure values or EV. And I should note here that the unit of measure of exposure is in stops. So one full stop either doubles or halves the exposure, depending on whether the change is increasing or decreasing the exposure, respectively. Exposure compensation is often represented by a plus or minus EV value. So for an example, an exposure compensation of plus one EV would mean an increase of one stop of exposure. This increase of one stop could be achieved by adjusting the aperture, the shutter speed, or ISO settings, or by some combination of the three. So for example, let's say you are photographing a very snowy winter scene using aperture priority mode. You set your aperture to F16, you set your ISO to 100, and the camera determines, based on its meter, that the shutter speed should be around 1 100th of a second. However, you look at your histogram, and the peak representing the snow is in the midtone range, and you know that the snow is brighter than that. So you can use exposure compensation to override the camera's set shutter speed by one to two stops to get the histogram to more appropriately represent the scene. So in our example here, if we were to use an exposure compensation of plus one EV, then our shutter speed would now be one fiftieth of a second, which would be a doubling of the amount of light hitting the camera sensor. Okay, so to wrap things up, let's just briefly talk about how you actually adjust the exposure compensation. So most digital cameras have the ability to adjust one to three stops of exposure compensation in a positive or negative direction. Some higher-end cameras can go all the way up to plus or minus five stops. Most cameras come with a plus minus button on the top of the camera or near the LCD screen. And usually holding this button down and moving the command dial is how exposure compensation is adjusted on most cameras. Some cameras even have a separate EV wheel 
and others may have it accessible in one of the menus. So if you can't find it easily, make sure that you check your manual. The best way to see whether you've chosen the ideal level of exposure compensation is to check your histogram. And lastly, don't forget to move the exposure compensation back to zero when you're done. In most camera models, it does not reset between images or when you turn the camera off. Okay, so in summary, exposure compensation only works in shutter priority, aperture priority, program, or manual with auto ISO modes. Use exposure compensation to override the camera's meter, which may incorrectly determine quote-unquote proper exposure for a given subject. And lastly, use the histogram to determine the best exposure for your subject based on its characteristics and the aesthetic you want. All right, thanks so much for listening to this Tidbit Tuesday. I appreciate you and I hope you now have a better understanding of how to use exposure compensation in your photography. You can find all the links and other information mentioned today at the show notes at outdoorphotographyschool.com forward slash 42. And don't forget, I enjoy hearing from you. And so if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, you can record it by clicking the link in today's episode description or by going to the website outdoorphotographypodcast.com and record it there. We have several amazing guests coming up on the podcast, conversations that I'm really excited to be able to share with you. So next week, we'll be talking with Canon Explorer of Light and Wilderness Photographer Aaron Babnick. And shortly after that, we'll have award-winning freelance photographer, workshop leader, and new friend of mine, John Barclay, on the show. So be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss out on these or any of our upcoming episodes. And until next time, get outside, my friends and find yourself a little nature. Take care.